Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of Slide Rule Pass Podcast, your weekly football show brought to you by the makers of the Slide Rule Pass blog. In this episode, we're going to dive into what's going on in the world of football today and all the dramas that go with it. So jump on board our maiden voyage. I'm your captain, Chris, speaking, and I'm joined by my trusty first mate, Mark. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks, Chris. Just looking forward to getting stuck in to talk about football again. Fantastic, I know. It's been a it's been a funny old time in lockdown, hasn't it, mate, with all the nonsense that's gone on with that. It's nice to have football back and it's nice to be able to get stuck right into it. So without further ado, let's kick this off. Okay, so we're going to kick off this first episode with our new segment, our very first segment, mate. It's exciting, this, isn't it? First segment ever. It's a, yeah, I suppose it is. It's a, it is brand new to the both of us. It is. Well, unfortunately, that's about where the excitement ends because this segment is called Club Corner. And for those of us, those of you guys listening who don't know me and Mark, um, I support Newcastle United and Mark yourself. Uh, I am unfortunate enough to be a, an Aston Villa fan. Actually, no, not so unfortunate this season. Well, normally, I was going to say, normally, we have parallel seasons of absolute mediocrity, but your season's been pretty good this season. But uh, I'm going to go first on this occasion, because first the worst, because I'm 12 years old and I'm using that rule and I'm, I'm sitting with it. So, first the worst is Newcastle United, and we certainly are the worst in the league. We might not be there statistically, but for everything else, we, we're just appalling. So... It's been a very quiet week for Newcastle United, as many people probably know in the press. Um, you know, a week full of management fights with players and squaring up on the training pitches and, you know, throwing away a game against Wolves. This was all in the lead up to arguably the biggest game of the season, um, which was against our former manager and all around shithouse of football, Sam Allardyce, that nobody really likes. Even I think when he's your own manager, you don't really like him. But um, he does a job and he was brought in to do a job at West Brom, which which seems to be quite hard. So Newcastle went to this game under a bit of a cloud. Let's be honest, we weren't expecting any good football whatsoever. And it didn't disappoint. I must give credit, son, to the, the guy on Twitter who called it El Jurassico. I mean, that that's banter on a next level, isn't it? It, it is, and it fit perfectly for the two managers involved. And, and I think I said yesterday to somebody that that game had nil-nil written all over it from a week beforehand. So it was no surprise that it, it ended that way with very little sort of goal mouth action either way. They were two really bad teams. I think you're right, mate. Especially when uh, you know you look at the centre forwards between Joe Linton and uh, Dianga, the, the the big lad from West Brom. I mean, God, you know, I think I could have got a header on target from Newcastle to to West Bromwich more than he could. He must have had about six or seven chances, and thank God he couldn't finish. Or Newcastle could have been on a on a, on a three nil defeat. But um, you know, our manager, which we'll come on to in a minute, because um, we have a mutual dislike for Steve Bruce, I think, uh, as, as, as football fans. Um, he seemed to see positives in that game. And I don't know whether he was playing a game of FIFA on the side with Steve Agnew or something, because it certainly wasn't positive in that game, mate. And, and you know, looking at it from an Aston Villa fan's angle, I remember watching you going through torture with this man as your manager. And surely you must see signs of deja vu for us, mate, as Newcastle fans. Yeah, well, it's horrible to watch again. Um, you know, you, you come out of a of a torrid sort of couple of years with him in charge. And, you know, he, he, he goes off fair enough. He, you know, he had a, a sort of family issues and things and he, he, he took a break and 
I've never not, I've never disliked the guy. Um, I just think he was, he, he was the a bad manager at, at the time. Um, certainly at, at the end, um, I think he should have left us after the the playoff def, uh, final defeat. Um, but he was kept on, and it, you know nothing improved. The football was terrible, um, and I'm seeing the same thing again. The comments he makes in the press are almost word for word what he said when he was at Villa. It, it's and living up here as well, it's you've seen the same thing again, and you thought you got away from it, and all of a sudden you, you're back in it again with him, and it's just horrible. Um, and it, it it needs to change rapidly for Newcastle. I, I totally agree with you, mate. It's it's a funny thing because when Bruce came in, you know, he has this reputation of being such a nice guy, and and you can see that, you know, he's jovial, he's chatty, and you know, he, he seems like he'd be a great guy over a pint. But I, I think slowly but surely that that side of him is completely eroded away. And, and what Newcastle are left with now really is a standoff between a manager who doesn't want to shell out a reported three million quid, I think four million quid to pay this guy off to get rid of him. And a guy who doesn't want to quit because he wants said three to four million quid in his pocket. And you can't blame him. You know, most people, you know, wouldn't mind getting paid four million quid to leave a job that they're unbelievably crap at, you know? So that's kind of where we're at at the minute. But, I totally echo your sentiments there, mate, that if Newcastle don't get rid of this guy, um, they're going straight down. I mean, it's shades of McLaren all over again. And, and you know, Ashley left it too late that time. You know, we, we did manage to somehow, God knows how, bring in a world-class manager. It, it was kind of like, I imagine, the ugliest bloke in the world getting a really good-looking girl on Tinder or something. I had no idea why Rafa Benitez came anywhere near this club uh, <laughs> at that particular time. But, but he did, and it was too late, and he couldn't save us. And I think whoever we bring in now, it's an uphill climb, mate. What would you say to that? I think you're right. I think you're, you're almost on a... They've got nothing to lose coming in. They've got nothing to win either. I, I don't think that there's there's much time. I mean, there's tw- what is there 12, 11, 12 games left to go, and yeah, it's yeah. there's time to turn it around, I suppose. So, but it but it has to happen now. Um, you know, looking at the fixtures to come, there are some there are some really big ones um, for Newcastle. You've got um, you've obviously got Villa at the, at the end of the week, followed by. A game, massive game against Brighton away from home, um, and then there are big games against some of the the bigger, you know, the the teams further up the league, and then to end the season, you've got Sheffield United at home and Fulham away, and they could, could be huge if if Bruce is still around. I just don't see anything changing. That you know, you you're missing your big three um, at, at the moment, and. And they're a week or two away, so it, you could be in the relegation zone before you know it. And and then how does it how does it change? You know, do you do you bring in Jones as the as the manager and, and change what's going on, change the training philosophy and, and things? It, but is that too little, too late? And it's like you say, it's McLaren again when you you make the the change far too late um, for it to have any effect. I couldn't I couldn't agree more with you, mate. I mean, um, it's funny, I, I watched, we'll come on to this a little bit later with the weekly roundup with Fulham and their unbelievable result against Liverpool the other day. And, and it was just written in the stars when Newcastle got a point 
and Bruce was happy he was licking his lips at that. The wonderful point, you know, from his fellow dinosaur, Sam Allardyce, who obviously was very unhappy that he didn't get three points. Um, Fulham go and win against Liverpool. And, and, and I watch this young manager and Scott Parker on the sideline shouting and screaming the passion. He's trying to get all the players pulled into position. He's, you know, he's constantly in players' ears. You look at Steve Bruce on that touchline and, and, and as an Aston Villa fan, you God, you would have seen this so many times in the championship. He just stands there with his hands in his pockets, chewing his lip. A bit like when you forgot where you parked in the supermarket car park. <laughs> you're, not, you're, not, you're not quite sure you're thinking, was I over there? I can't remember. Where, where did I go? And you're trying to retrace your steps. He just looks like he's got no plan, no idea of what the hell is going on. You know, and when we go a goal down, which generally is 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 end of end of the game, you know, it, it, there's no way back from that. So it, it's utterly depressing being a Newcastle fan at the moment. And, and I must admit, you know, yes, we didn't lose, and you could say that's a that's a bonus. But you've hit the nail on the head there. So we've got huge games coming up. I mean, I wouldn't back us to score a single goal without those big three that you've just mentioned. Certainly after watching that at the weekend, uh, there was just nothing there that filled me from any any intro, any possible hope that we would stay in this league. You know, there's rumours that he's, he's fell out with all these players. He, he, for some reason, he's ostracised the long staffs. And I don't get that. You look at that midfield. I, I saw a stat with Jeff Hendrick in the first half. I think he had, he, he had 75% passing accuracy, which is a season high for him. Um, he had no key passes, no interceptions, no headers, no tackles won, just nothing that contributed anything to the game. And then he looked pissed off when he got subbed off. <laughs> I don't understand that, you know? The weird thing with the, the Newcastle subs at the weekend, though, was he only made two. You know, he he, he brings off Hendrick um, and then he, he brings on, was it Carroll with 20, 30 seconds left in the game? He just still has one more it. sub. And you're sitting with the likes of it was Murphy on the bench. You've got Sean Long, Longstaff on the bench. There were players there that potentially could have changed the way that the game was going. They, you know, they're not superstars by any stretch of the imagination, but at least try and change. Um, I think the comparisons with Parker. You've, you know, you look at the way that Fulham started the season and they were shipping goals left, right, and centre. And Parker changed things. He's that team now is is so much, you know, it, it's so much stronger than it, it was. Certainly at, at the back, um, they're on a cracking little run. Um, you know, they've they've what is it from the last ten games? I think they've they've got fourteen points. They've only lost two. Um, you know, compare that with Newcastle in the last ten games. They've lost six. Um, it's just. There's only one way. I think the saving grace for Newcastle could just be the form of Brighton and the fact that Brighton cannot score a goal to save their lives. And you know they they got a, a goal um, against Leicester at, at the weekend, but again they they should probably have scored three or four. They they certainly have the chances to do it. You know they they did the same against Palace. They they should have been four, five, six ahead and lost the game. They should have steamrolled through Villa the week before that. You know, I think it was something like 51 shots in two games or something between the, the two. Yeah. It's crazy and, stuff. And they score one goal and and, and they, they lack a striker. And that could be, well, you know, the thing that, that saves Newcastle is the fact that Brighton might just beat them to the that last relegation um, zone place. Very, very possibly. I, I think, you know, I, I said this a few weeks ago that, 
the only thing Newcastle probably have in their favour uh, if they can get him back quick enough is is Callum Wilson. No other team down there has a striker of that genuine quality. You know, he he can convert chances. He's he's got something about him, and I bet he's kicking himself. And you'll smile here as a Villa fan. I bet he's kicking himself that he didn't go to the Villa <laughs> instead of coming Newcastle. But he couldn't have figured out the seasons were going to go this way. But I think just to close on Newcastle before we move on to the Villa, son, is that you know it's clear for everybody here this guy has to be replaced whether he was replaced with Jones or whether he was replaced with another manager altogether, those players are, are, are done with them. The fans are done with them. And I think if Newcastle stick with them, I can see them going down. It's hard to argue. It really is. It, it, you know, they're, they're only heading one direction. Um, and if, if something doesn't change, then you do fear the worst for them. Yeah, you've got to, mate. You've got to. So cheering up a little bit, moving on to the Villa, <laughs> mate. Which, uh, as we said before, is a much, a much welcome break from mediocrity this season. What's happening with the Villa, mate? Well, I mean, it, it has been a much better season, and, and you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna come on with a bit of negativity about it. We've struggled of, of late, um, especially with Jack missing for the last four games, and that's been a, a, a big influence. I think I wrote a couple of weeks ago that you know we we showed we weren't a one man team. Um, when we, we beat Leeds and I think that's true but I think that's more based on the goalkeeper in the defence than anything else Leeds the um, goalkeeper's been a great signing mate, you've got to say oh what a- unbelievable I mean sign it you know I know I'm biased but you signing of the season I mean got to be got to be up the unbelievable goalkeeper I mean you look at the the, the saves that he, he makes consistently the the, the save that he made he made against Wolves um, on Saturday to keep out Cody in the second half is unbelievable. I mean, how how Cody doesn't score from from that range? Mm. Um, you know, we were it's, it was a funny game. It kind of mirrors the the season a little bit. We we started really well, um, and we we've sort of tailed off. And that was the the same on on Saturday where we we started the the first half really really well. Um, could have had a couple of goals within sort of 10, 13 minutes or so. Um, Watkins and, and Conta both hit the bar. Um, we really played well. We, we looked like we were back at our best again. Second half was unbelievably poor. Um, there was nothing really of an attacking threat. Now, Watkins works hard as always. The guy has an unbelievable level of fitness. Um, we just couldn't keep the ball. Um, I, I'm still can't work out how Connor Cody and Roman size didn't score. Um, <laughs> it when, when, honestly, Cody hits the, the the post with his header, and and size is what a yard out and mm. manages to to put it over the bar. We, you know, you'd argue we we could have easily lost that game. We pick up another point. It's another clean sheet. Um, you know, I think it's what is it, fourteen now, um, and that's been the biggest difference this season. Is just, you know, we have a a side that conceded, it was it sixty seven goals last season to to a side that has fourteen clean sheets this season. It's it's such a change. Um, you've, been, you've been solid, mate. There's there's no question. You've been, you've been absolutely solid, and, and I think keeping a hold of Jack was was massive. You know, there was loads of links in the summer that he was going to go to City and United and everything else, and you know, I think in many ways. I don't think he would have been swallowed up if he'd gone to those clubs. You know, I think you wrote a great piece 
that's uh, that's up on the website for anyone who wants to check it out. Where you know what's next for Jack, and and I think I suppose I put it to you as a Villa fan, mate. You know, the start of the season, Villa blew everybody away up until recent weeks. People are still talking about Champions League. Where where do you see the Villa ended up this season, mate? I think talk of Europe was was a little premature, and I'm guilty of it myself. Um, it, well, it was the way we were heading. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's we were playing so well, um, and we get to, I think, probably our our level at the moment. We're we're a little bit hit and miss still. We're still a work in progress. There's still lots of areas that you you think we we need to improve. Um, we need squad depth. Um, you know, we lack a second striker. Um, Davis, bless him. I, I mean, I think the stat was was over the weekend. He's now played fifty games um, without scoring, but he comes on for 10, 15 minutes at a time. He's never really had a, a chance to go out and, and play regularly. His development in that regard has has been stunted, and he's he's not a bad player. He just I think we need somebody that's got some experience to back up um, Ollie Watkins. I think we need depth in the wingers. Um, when Jack's not there, it is a huge difference. Like I said before, we're, we're not a one-man team because of the, the defence and the goalkeeper. Um, but I, I think in attack, we are so reliant on him. Mm-hmm. Um just to be that that spark, that have that little bit of magic that opens teams up. Just on that, just on that point, mate. You know, Ross Bartley came in on loan, which loads of fans, including myself, were a little bit kind of stunned by, really, because I thought Bartley was, you know, there was no disrespect to Villa here. He was almost beyond the Villa's reach, kind of a thing as a loan signing. But he's come in, and you know, big things were expected. You know, as a Villa fan, how would you rate how Bartley's done this season, mate? Disappointing. Um, he's had moments of of where he's looked good. You know, again, in the start of the season, certainly the game against Liverpool, the link-up play with, with Grealish was brilliant. Um, he then got injured um, and he was out for a, for a little while. He'd come back, doesn't look fit, um, or he hadn't looked fit. He His performances, even then, he just looked to drift out of games. He was bypassed. Um, and he's been brought out for the last what the last three games, and and you've had um, Jacob Ramsey who came in and, and played really really well against um, against Leeds. Um, he wasn't um, so great following that, and then he he came out and and we, we put Sanson in this weekend, and, and and you know for first start he he did well, he, he worked hard. I think the the early yellow card really hampered him. Yeah, um, that probably kind of cost us a little bit in that in that midfield because we we then had to to replace him in the second half when he looked okay. Um, but I say before, I think we we just need we need some depth. Um, yeah, if we, we two or three more players in key positions and as starters, even that yeah. have us challenging more regularly. We, we're desperate for some backups as well. You know, there are a few that are out of contract at the end of the season or or could probably do with being moved on. Um, the likes of, I mean, Taylor, I think Neil Taylor's out of contract. 
Connor, I think, is out of, of contract. Well, he's on loan now at, at Swansea. I think Elmo's probably had his time uh, and it's time to, to move on. So you're looking for backup for for Matty Cash. Um, does Gilbert come back and, and still provide that? Or do we move Gilbert on and, and try to bring in somebody else? Um, could, always, could always drive you down Emil Craft if you want, mate, from uh, Newcastle. He's there. Uh... <laughs> you're all right, man. Thank you. Um, but no, I, I, I still think we're probably one short at centre-back um, as yeah. cover. Um, you know, Mings and Conter are always going to be your first choice now. They've been superb, them two, haven't they? They've been brilliant, them two. They really absolutely are. brilliant. And it would be no surprise, I think, to anybody if if both of them are included in the England squad, you know, mm. that's coming up. Um, whether it's feasible for them both to make the Euros is another matter. The form that Conter's in, you couldn't mm. argue with it. Um, he's been. Absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, probably along with Matty Target, the most improved move proof players. So it's really it's all positive. Um yeah, we've we've is. slipped off a little bit recently, but you know, we had the COVID break and, and the players came back and they didn't quite look so sharp and taken a, a little bit of time to get back to, to that and Jack missing is is huge. Um we hope he's back for this Friday, but I'm we're kind of there's a possibility that he may not make it this week, and it'll be next week that he's back. So I we'll pray to God that he doesn't make it, mate. I mean, but just just moving on to that, it's a perfect segue to close the first club corner that uh, we're covering in the in the podcast. That there couldn't be a better fixture for Aston Villa to look to get back to winning ways on than playing against everybody's favourite whipping boys, Newcastle United. Um, even if Villa don't have Jack, I would back them to to win that game. We're we're going to cover that a little bit later on in the in the upcoming fixture review. But uh, for now, mate, we're going to leave Club Corner and uh, and uh, you know we'll move on to the weekly roundup. Okay. Mate. Okay, so it's now time to get stuck into the weekly roundup. So this is the part of the show where myself and Mark are going to look through what's been happening in the world of football, starting with the Premier League. And uh, on Saturday, we started off with, with an early fixture between Burnley and, and Arsenal. Obviously, Burnley aren't anywhere far away from the relegation pitch. They're very much in it with the likes of Newcastle and Brighton. Uh, this game ended ones each and, and largely um, <laughs> the backlash from it was a ridiculous handball incident involving Eric Peters. Me, personally, I thought it like he was a garden basketball, mate, when playing for the really Newcastle Eagles or something. <laughs> what did you think, mate? Well, I th- you know, you look at the kind of rules that they've they've put in place that you if your arms away from the body and making your body bigger, then although it you know it was from quite close to him when I think it was Pepe knocked the ball up, it was, but yeah. Yeah. his arm is so far away from his body that that surely is a is a handball. And one of the one of the commentators even said they hadn't even checked it. I don't know how true that is, but if they haven't, that's that's. It's, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. I don't know what they're watching on the TV in, in Stocksley Park. I think it's Netflix or something. They're halfway through the Crown season three or something because they're not watching these matches because I've got no idea how the hell they can't call that as a penalty. It's just ridiculous. And then shortly after, I think the ref almost tried to make it up for it and sent off Peters when it wasn't even a handball. And he had to, he had to redact the whole thing, didn't he? So, oh, <laughs> I, I, 
I know that 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 was moving quickly, and it and it hit you know it hit him and it went up on the bar and and things. But there was a motion from it from his arm towards the ball, and I think that's what the referees reacted to. And he's seen the arm movement and gone, "Oh, he's handballed it," mm. but it was so clearly off his shoulder that you know you I could see, see him panicking and and. And I can't remember who the who the Bernie player was that kind of held him to one side and just said, "Look, they'll check it. You'll be fine." And it was always going to come back as as a as a non penalty, you know. That and getting that red card rescinded, it was. Yeah, you can call it ridiculous. I can kind of understand why the referee's given that one. I don't, for the life of me, understand why the first one wasn't given. Um, it's it's ridiculous and, and you know Mikel Arteta was understandably upset and, and so was I because it, it got me off on a terrible start for my predictions that I put on the website because <laughs> I got hardly any of these right except for maybe I think uh, Leicester and a couple of others so moving on to the next game we had um, Sheffield United versus Southampton 2-0 to the Saints uh, a game for me largely remembered by Shea Adams absolute melter in the top corner what a great goal that was mate <laughs> uh, yeah I mean what a strike um Southampton were just a different different class. Um, they were. They weren't far above, but you don't have to be too many levels above Sheffield United at the moment. It's frustrating to watch that game as a Villa fan and think back to the the, the midweek and think, you know, we've just lost to this team and and they just look no. awful at times. They're they're yeah. quite solid, but you know they're. They've they've now resigned. They're gone. They're sort of waiting for for the rebuild and, and to see see what happens next season. Now, do you know what I love about Chris Wilder as well? He's so honest. You know, he just after the yeah. game, he he, he he turned around and he said they're not good enough, and you know they haven't been good enough, and you know they deserve to be where they're going to be. And you know to hear that kind of honesty from a from a guy is is really refreshing, especially with the endless amounts of bullshit that my my team's on and just spews on a regular basis. You know, so yeah, and and to give them. To give them some credit, they are missing their three first choice centre backs, um, yeah, and their record is he their record signing in Sander Berger? So they've Ooh. missed them for so long. You're always going to struggle. Um, I think it was second you know, season syndrome for them too, mate. As well, you know, all these promoted teams do suffer from that. A lot of them do anyway, don't they? And eventually, it catches up on you, you know. So I mean, but moving on from from that game, um, obviously we did cover Villa Wolves, so we're not getting to that too much uh, in the club corner. Um, the last one was uh, Leicester and Brighton on Saturday. Um, again, you know, we kind of covered this off of Brighton. The, they can't finish a sentence, really, can they? But it was a good goal by Lallana, uh, but Leicester just pipped it in the end and, and beat them two one, mate. Yeah, again, Leicester, um, you know, showing the what a good team they are. That again, they've had a little bit of a, a wobble of late, but they're still a really good team and showed exactly what they can do. Um, that pass by Tielemans for oh. Ianacho's goal. Um, Great finish just, as well, by the way. Great. Well, I, absolutely. But I mean, the pass. I only just spotted it this morning that it he wasn't even looking. Um, he was looking one way, played it the other. Is uh, yeah, just stunning. Uh, what a stunning well, that's pass. What you get, though, when, you, when you spend money on quality players, that's that's what you get. And to be fair, you, you've got a good manager in Brendan Rodgers who I don't think gets a lot of credit for how good of a coach he really is. And he gets the best out of these players, mate. You've got to give him credit. Absolutely. Um, and, and some of those players that other other teams at, the, at that time were, were looking at and thinking, well, you know, we'll, we'll maybe not take a chance on him. Leicester did, and and they were they were riding high at the time and bringing in players like Tielemans, 
to add to, you know, Harvey Barnes to Madison to Vardy to that 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 squad is is fantastic. Yeah, they've they're obviously missing a few at the moment with um with with some injuries, but I think they're they're almost now a shoe in for hopefully for for Champions League football next season. Um, they certainly deserve it because I think they've been they've been brilliant. Um, yeah. Brighton, the, the same old problem. They you know they create chances, they just don't score goals. It's they had that one the one goal with Lalana. They could have had well, you, you'd argue they could have had three or four. Um, maybe he's been a little bit generous there, but they don't hit the target much. Um, now you're they right. They don't. They don't shoot from from good percentage sort of chances. They take shots from from difficult places, and and it makes it more difficult. So they they pile on. You know, certainly you look at the games against Villa and Palace, and they, they pile on the pressure, but they not. They don't work good openings. They they work a lot of shots and and have a yeah. lot of chances, but never anything that. That really opens teams up properly. Um, it's some nice stuff, though. I mean, you know, yeah. obviously, as as a fan of a club that's right down there, you know, the, if my club was playing the football, Brian were playing, moving through the lines with the pace and, and the kind of you know the quickness in the play, I'd, I would feel signs of encouragement. But it gets to the top and there's nothing there, as you rightly say. So they have to take a shot from a stupid angle. You know, they can't thread a ball in like Tillemans has done for you know Inacio there. So. Yeah, I guess where Brighton are massively lacking, unfortunately, and, and that could be their, their their downfall, mate. So, so moving on at Sunday, obviously we covered the uh, the El Jurassico earlier on. We won't bore the listeners anymore with that one, which was I think I'm still trying to get that image out of my eyes of that bloody game. Moving on to Liverpool Fulham, you know, which we touched upon before. Again, massive result for Fulham. You know, they're, they're now one point from getting out of the relegation zone. You you definitely back them to do it. Massive result for Scott Parker, and I've got to say, what a, what a snazzy dresser he is as well. Did you see that? <laughs> he had in the sideline, mate. It was like an ex catalogue, that wasn't it? Hey, dear me, they noticed the weirdest things. <laughs> um, I think on the game, you know, Liverpool made you know huge changes. Um, wow. Massive. The the defenses. I mean, they, they brought out Trent, um, which was an I thought it was an odd choice, but that team just, I think I wrote at the weekend that they, they, they look broken. Um, there, there isn't the, there isn't the intensity that there was before. Um, the front three don't look the same front three, you know, Salah still scored goals this season, but Mane hasn't been anywhere near as good. Firmino has been shocking. Um, I mean, you did a great piece on Firmino for, on the website. And uh, I think if Firmino was at any other club, you know, we've got one in Joe Linton. You know, he's, he's offering just as much in the minute. It's just, it's just unbelievable how, how, how much he's felt. It is. Um, but, you know, Liverpool look at the fact they've got Jota back. Um, mm. I, I have to give huge credit to Ariola, who stunning save from, from Jota uh, volley. Um, you know that that kept it. I think it kept it at nil nil at the time. And, right as well, yeah, yeah. And then Lamina's finish was, you know, he he robs Salah on the edge of the box, and then and then hits it in from sort of across across the goalkeeper. It was it was a brilliant goal, and they hung on in the end. 
Um, Liverpool, you know, piled forwards in that second half. It never really looked like getting a breakthrough. It, it was, they had that one sort of cross shot that hit the post. Other than that, it, you never really felt that the two, certainly the two centre-backs were, weren't, weren't any panic. No. Um, and they've looked brilliant the last few weeks as well. So um, yeah, they've they've been superb. You know, certainly Anderson coming in from um, I think on loan, wasn't he? And uh, he's got a captain's armband. He just he's added steel to that back line. And yeah, I mean, credit to Fulham and Parker. You know, they've gone back the the, the training pitch. They've worked on what was what wasn't working before. They've you know they've tightened up defensively. Magic gives them another dimension up front as well, which which is great. You know, so yeah, I'm not surprised they're a point from getting out of it, and then I'd back them to get out of it. I really would, even even if it goes down to the last game of the season against Newcastle, which at the minute is only one winner, isn't it really, mate? So, so moving on from that, the Manchester derby, which I know you covered for the the site, mate, with a great match review. Uh, I got this one wrong again. I thought it was going to be a boring nil-nil, as all these big games generally end up being, and uh, and United surprises, mate, and nicked the two-nil win. Well, they they flew out the traps, didn't they? They were, I mean. 35 seconds in and and Jesus uh, Jesus is giving away a penalty. I'm not quite sure what he was doing that far back at that point, but, um, you know, the City defenders looked like they would have been comfortable and they really came at City straight away and, you know, they could have had a couple early on um, before City really got going. I mean, even De Bruyne was struggling with his passing. Mm. You know, for the first sort of 15, 20 minutes before before they really got got into the game, um, and then United hit them on the counter attack again. It was something that they they'd done quite well yesterday. Um, I thought Luke Shaw was outstanding. Um, his goal was he, he took really really well. Um, you know, he, he he gets the ball from from Henderson's throw out and then runs most of the length of the field with it before you know, sort of one two with with Rashford. Um, and then it was a great finish, and it was, it was a, it was a, yeah, he just finish. knocked on the door, but just couldn't couldn't get in. And yeah, it was it was a good performance by United. They they deserved to win. They did. I mean, just a word on Luke Shaw as well. I mean, this player has been written off by so many people. You know, I mean, when he was at Southampton and he went to United, there was this big buzz. He was England's next first choice left back for seasons to come. He was going to be the new Ashley Cole. Everything else. It's not quite gone as smoothly as he would have liked, but there's always been a player in there, no matter what abuse people have given him. And it's nice to see him back at his best. And you wouldn't you wouldn't discount him from a place at the Euros, mate, would you? He's got to be, he's got to be a late charge for, hasn't he? No, well, he's uh, you know he, he he has to be alongside the likes of Chilwell now, and if he if he continues in this form for the rest of the season, he, yeah, I think he's he's almost he's almost guaranteeing him a place in that Euro squad. You've got to say you're right, mate. So next game, moving on, um, but very interesting. This ties into a couple of nice articles we did recently. So Spurs beat Palace four-one with um, it was the Bale and Kane show. Uh, we both did an article uh, on either of those parties. Um, Bale is really looking back to his best, mate, isn't he? With a, with a couple of fantastic goals and the link up with Kane was just oof, it was mouthwatering, really, wasn't it, mate? I think that he's he's got his fitness back. He's he's got his mojo back. I think he's. That front three now of of Bale, Kane, and Son just look, yeah, they're they're almost unplayable at times. The you know Bale's he's taken a while to settle back in, and I think at 
at times it looked like it wasn't going to work for him. And then whether it is fitness or whether it's it's just taken a while just to bed bed in with the others that it, it's clicked. Um, and again, yesterday he was he was in brilliant form. Kane was phenomenal as ever. Um, there's you know another couple of goals. Um, he had another couple of assists as well. So um, it, you know he's been on an absolute fire this season, both from from a goal scoring and goal creating um, point of view. That's one thing Kane offers, isn't it? Really, he's not he's not just a goal scorer. He he brings others into the game. His assists are, are just fantastic. His, his touch and his control. You know, everyone always likens Kane and Shearer in the same conversation. But, you know, I don't remember Shearer being as good at assists as Harry Kane is. I mean, Shearer could cross a ball probably better than people would give him credit for. But, but Kane seems to be able to drop in that hole, make things happen. He's good on the ball. He's got an eye for a pass as well. It's, it's, it's really impressive, mate. Yeah, I mean, I suppose different style of play, um, different players he's playing alongside. Kane tends to play as a one with two going either side. Newcastle at the time were playing more with with wingers, and he would play alongside another striker or somebody in and around. So he's maybe not going to have had that level of of assists. But um, I think what what's Kane on now? Twenty nine goal contributions this season in twenty seven games. It's is ridiculous. So he's, you know, long may he stay fit and uh, and, and get us to the Euros as well. And I get it, same, you know. absolutely. You, you've got to back him uh, for top goal scorer Euros. So, so that wraps up the, the Premier League results. And just to touch on the race for promotion in the Championship, a couple of results. Watford beat Forest 1 0. So they're pushing hard for that second place. And Swansea managed to nick a 2 1 win over, over Borough with a bit of help from the referee by all accounts. But uh, looking at that Championship, at the, at the minute, you, you can't see past Norwich coming up, really, can you? They've been incredible this season so far. I think they're they're now ten clear of Watford, eleven clear of Swansea. Um, yeah, they're they're. I think they're going up as champions. Um, and then it's it's one from the next four to go with them. Um, you know, Watford are in second, but have played more games than both Swansea and Brentford. Um, I think Reading are a little bit further behind but um you know I, I think Swan, I think Swansea have got two games in hand and Brentford have won so it's maybe it's one of those three um but yeah Norwich are clear clear winners this season they, you know they they come straight back up and and they absolutely deserve it yeah definitely man it'd be good to see them see them back as well Okay, so it was a huge weekend in Scotland, mate, just to cover this. Um, Rangers winning the first title uh, in 10 years uh, with a with a 3-0 win over St Mirren. Celtic had to better that result or, or at least win and the, the, the shit the bed, really, and the drew against Dundee and handed Stevie G the title. And I mean, he's been phenomenal this season, mate. But what, what's your take on the job Stevie G's done at Rangers? I mean, overall, at Rangers and, you know, coming from liquidation getting back through the leagues quickly. They were always going to, given the size of, you know, of, of the club. But Stevie Gerrard has just done a brilliant job. Um, you know, you look at the the stats from this season, 
Um, he's unbeaten in the league, unbeaten in Europe, um, in a Europa League group that had Benfica in it. Um, so he's they've been absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, he's 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 going to show what a good manager I think he will be. Um, and it, it just go on. I think you know he's stay at hopefully probably stay at Rangers again for for a season and take them. You know he's going to take them into the Champions League. Just see what they can do there, and, and then we see where he goes beyond that. Absolutely, mate. I mean, it's it's interesting. I was looking at some of his stats. I mean, th- this season, as you rightly said, in all those competitions, is his win rate's eighty four point four percent, which is just unbelievable. His his overall win rate, Rager, since he's been there, is sixty six percent. And yeah, you've, you've got to say he's done a phenomenal job. I mean, the twenty points clear of, of Celtic. Who, who, let's be honest, not to take anything away from Stevie, but Celtic have been atrocious. You know, my old man, the Celtic. Man, a fan as you know and they have been terrible I mean their supporter must be sick at the moment watch, watching this and you know Rangers are scoring over two and a half goals a game they're doing it in real style as well and and as you rightly pointed out mate that the thing with Stevie at the moment with Gerard is there's, there's a lot of noise isn't there you know with, with what you were saying earlier about Liverpool the wheels coming off a bit looking a shadow of the former self Klopp even Klopp doesn't look like he's got that hunger passion desire anymore for that job now I'm certainly not in the Klopp out brigade. I just think that's mental. Anyone who wants that, it just has total short-term memory loss. You know, the, the what that guy's done since he's been there is just incredible. But the more Stevie keeps winning and the, and the more they're winning style, it, 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 he's going to be continually linked to that job. And, and I did a piece for the for the website not too long ago that said, is it too soon for Stevie? I personally think it is. I think if you went to Liverpool now, it would swallow him up. I think you'd end up a bit like Frank and... I think he would do better to stay at Rangers a bit longer, as as you rightly said, mate. Yeah, I think I think absolutely right. I think I was listening to somebody talk yesterday, and they they could see Gerard taking on one more job elsewhere before before he got the Liverpool job. I, I personally don't see the needs any reason why he would need to to move away from Rangers. You know, they they're flying. Um, they're going to be playing in the Champions League. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see how they get on next season. Um, yeah, I think he's a shoo-in. The way he's going, he's a shoo-in for the Liverpool job in the future. Again, I agree. I don't think it's right for him now. Um, I think Liverpool would be crazy to move on from Klopp. They've had a bad year. They've had a bad year with injuries and things. And they do look, I said before, they look a broken team right now. I think they need to get this season out of the way and regroup and start again. And yeah, I, I, I agree. It, it's not right for Stevie at the moment, but it won't be long. No, it certainly won't be. And in terms of Selig, just to just finish up on Scotland, um, Selig obviously need to appoint a new manager. They need to come back strong. And, and I think they will do because, you know, everything's there at Celtic still. I mean, it was a big job to, to follow Brendan Rodgers in. And I don't think Neil Lennon was really the man for it. I think his, his better days at Celtic were gone. And um, I think it's a big appointment for Celtic next. And lots of names in the fray. You know, personally, I'd love to see an old firm between Roy Keane and Stephen Gerrard. That would be tasty watching, wouldn't it, mate? On the on the dugout. It would, yeah. There are some there are some good names being linked. I think personally that I look at that squad from Celtic, and I I kind of don't understand how it's got away from them so quickly. They've got some some tremendous players in that squad, 
Um, quite a few, I think, they will lose in the summer. Um, I mean, there's. I was reading a, a report earlier that you know Ed, Edward's been um, linked with Arsenal, Leicester, and Villa in the Premier League. They're talking about Milan or AC Milan or Roma. Um, so it looks like he's probably going to be away. And there's probably three or four others that could move on too. So whoever goes in might have a little bit of a rebuild, but there's still enough in that squad to have made more of a challenge than they did. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and, and again, they'll, they'll come back strong and, and I think they'll, you know, it'll make the, the SPL a lot more interesting to, to watch. So, so moving on, just to cover off the, the rest of Europe and just some of the key games and fixtures that went on. Obviously, the big one over in the Bundesliga was, uh, was Bayern and Dortmund. A battle of the number nines, you know, uh, Haaland and Lewandowski. And uh, it was a hell of a game for the pair of them. Obviously, Haaland smashed in two early goals. Looked like he was going to steal the headlines. And then that man again, you know, the, the best number nine in the world, I wrote on the on the website in, in, in Robert Lewandowski. Bangs and a hat-trick, mate. Bayern win 4-2. What a game and what a couple of players we've got there. It's just sad for Lewandowski that he's getting, you know, he's getting on in years. We haven't got many left. Um, you know, we, I suppose he's only thirty-two, but the the guy is is ridiculous. He he's just an unbelievable goal scorer. Um, his record for Bayern is in the certainly in the league is is just unreal. Um, he's got. Is 193 goals in 213 games. It's a ridiculous stat. Um, so, yeah, and Haaland's the the next one up, isn't he? How long he will stay with Dortmund is is another matter. Um, mm-hmm. Europe's big boys are knocking on the door. Certainly um, <laughs> in the water, mate. That's for sure. <laughs> well, they've got they've got a they've got a release clause for next season, haven't they? And that that brings the price down. So do they do they try and cash in big this summer? I mean, they're talking hundred million plus for for the likes of City and Madrid and and teams to 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 get him there now. Um, I just yeah, he's um, but he's just as good as he is. He's overshadowed by by Lewandowski because he's just he's just a stunning striker. Totally agree with you, mate. I mean, you know, just just to wrap up on on, on that game, Haaland's got twenty nine and twenty eight, but Lewandowski thirty one and twenty four this season, and it's just it's breathtaking. You know, the, the the way these the way these guys are playing. Just another point on the on the Bundesliga, going from the sublime to the ridiculous. Uh, it was all over social media, which was an absolutely brilliant, brilliant piece of um, Sunday league tackling by uh, Paolo Ottavio uh, in the Wolfsburg game. <laughs> <laughs> where the, the the other player was, um, I think it was Muna Debar, I think he was called, was was through on goal. The goalkeeper had ran out, Wolfsburg keeper had ran out and uh, left them short. So he's chasing back, he's chasing back. And it's almost a bit like, you know, when you play in the Sunday League and you've been out for a skin for the night before and you're just saying, I can't catch this player. So he just scissors the bloke. <laughs> Gets a straight red card. He didn't. He didn't even turn around and look at him. He just walked off. <laughs> I mean, I, there were people giving him so much grief for it. But I mean, maybe the style of tackle was was a little bit over the top. He could have. Yeah, he could have yeah. just tried to trip him. But I think 99 percent of footballers would have done the same thing and try and take him out because he'd yeah. run it so far and a half. And and I think people had given um, De Boer 
grief for not having taken the shot on from from much further out, but he would have been 40, 50 yards out um, trying to guarantee that third goal. But he, I mean, you can't you can't have a goal at Otavio for, for for doing what he did. He didn't injure him. I suppose that the type of tackle he made could have done, but he didn't. So, you know, that's that's a bit of a moot point. It, it just yeah, it was it's funny to watch afterwards. Um and you completely understand why he did it. It would have put oh. him three one down. It would have still potentially had a chance to to get an equalizer, but it was yeah, it's one of those daft ones, isn't it? It was. I would like to think Roy Keane was sitting in his living room with a cup of tea going, nonsense. Just looking at the TV, nonsense. How is he getting a red card for that? <laughs> so, yeah, so moving away from Germany and that, and that wonderful piece of football, Schiethausery, uh, just uh, visiting over to Spain. So it's tight at the top, um, between the top three. There's only five points that split them. Barca managed to, to beat Osasuna 2-0, uh, two assists from the magician that is Lionel Messi. Um, we did a piece on Messi recently on the website to say what's next for the for the genius. And again, Barca just look a shadow of their former self, mate, don't they? They just look terrible, you know, compared to Barca we knew and loved. I think they're just going through a, a big transition now, aren't they? Again, and you know, their, their form hasn't been so bad recently. You know, the, the early parts of the season, certainly for the likes of um, of Barcelona and, and Madrid, were were pretty poor. They were. They were dropping points here and there, and it, it just didn't look like La Liga that we've seen over the last few years. And and Atletico were were the the steady ones that just carried on picking up results. And you know they they sit what three points clear. They've got a game in hand. It's you would you sort of put money on them now, carrying on and taking the title. Um, I can't see, I can't see them dropping too many points between now and the end of the season. Yeah, you, yeah, I'm with you on that one, mate. I mean, the Madrid derby obviously ended uh, ones apiece, and again, it's interesting just going on to Madrid, Real that is, and Barcelona as well. That you know, we talked about Haaland before. You got the likes of Mbappe as well. There's there's big rebuilding jobs to do at both those clubs. I mean, they've gone from having every you know best player in the world in one one starting eleven. Um, to, to, to look and fairly average by their standards. And then when they go in the Champions League, they're very exposed against, you know, the cities and the Liverpools and, and, and PSGs. You know, they, they, they look off the pace now, mate. So I think I think it'd be interesting to watch what happens to those two clubs. Yeah, I think they're, they're both going to go through a little bit of a, like I said, a transition, a little bit of a, of a rebuild is the, is the obvious thing. Whether, whether Messi stays... Um, I think Madrid will look to to sort of change and, and, and bring a few more players in if they can and, and move some on. So it's, I think, you know, Spain will be an interesting one next season again. It, it always is that we've now got those three big teams um, that are regularly challenging. Um, some of the some of the smaller teams that, who were doing so well have kind of dropped away. Um, you know, Sociedad were doing really well. They've dropped off a little bit recently. Um, you know, Sevilla are back in, in form again and they look they look like the they could push push into that top four where they sit fourth now. So um yeah, it's it's looking a little bit more competitive, um, but still really with that, that top three. That are, that are far and away there. 
didn't it? Yeah, because for a long time, La Liga almost became a bit like the SPL, the Rangers and Selig, didn't they? When nobody was anywhere near them. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for a little bit of competitiveness, but uh, I do miss a Galacticos made. Absolutely so. right. Absolutely. So yeah, just going over to Italy as well. And uh, Juventus managed to beat Lazio 3-1, which... Uh, Kept them in the running with the Milan teams at the top of the table. So there's, I think there's only about five points between the, the top three in uh, in Syria at the moment. So again, now that's that's become a lot more competitive as well. And Ronaldo didn't get on the score sheet for, for a change, but uh, so I, mean, I think Juventus are still in a good strong position there. And I think out of the three squads, you you probably back them to to have a late charge to the title, wouldn't you? Um, maybe I, I think Inter. I think they've got they've got the lead. Um, you know they're they're three points ahead of of AC Milan. They've got a game in hand. They play tonight um, against Atalanta. So, but you you know they're on the sort of the form guy goes. They're the form team. Um, How good's Lukaku been as well? There, mate. Beast. He's ridiculous. Um, in that league, he's he's you know he's shown to be the striker that we know he is. Um, how so many people write him off, you know, as they did when he was at United is is unbelievable. Um, he's he's a phenomenal striker and he's found his home there. And you know, if he stays there, they they are. I think they'll they'll go on to win it um, unless they they throw things away. But you never write Juve off. You certainly don't write Ronaldo off. No, absolutely, mate. You'd be you'd be a fool not to, mate. So, right, that's us done for our European Roundup. That's all the time we've got for today on episode one. Thank you very much for joining me today, mate. Thanks, mate. It's been my pleasure. Absolutely. Well, and thank you for anyone else for tuning in and listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did making it. If you like this type of thing, please remember to click subscribe and leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you want to give us a follow on Twitter, it's at SlideRulePass1, and you'll be able to see all of our updated articles on everything that's going on in the game today. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye.